you've known me for a number of years or yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Tell your favorite Curtis is an idiot story. <laughs> you could restore it Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restore It All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup. And I have with me the guy that I'm now calling Mr. Hare, Prasanna Maliandi. How's it going? Good, Curtis. How are you doing? Uh, it, it's been it's been a busy week. I am, I am really working hard on the book, and uh, I actually just finished another chapter. Is there only uh, one left? No, there's two more left. That's um, impressive, though. Yeah, and the, the chapter that I just wrote is the hardest chapter so far uh, because it was it, it really got it went into detail on different product categories. So um, I'm pretty. We actually have a longtime friend on the podcast here. We're going to use a pseudonym for this person because we want, as we've said before, we would love to have like real people that are actually firing backups and anger out there in the real world, come on the podcast. And we've only done that a couple of times and, and we are happy to disguise your voice and to not say where you work and to not use your real name. And uh, he's been in it for over 30 years and been doing backups at the same company for almost 20 of those 30 years, which is just, Amazing. Wow. And those wow. backups should finish any day now. But I'm so welcome to the podcast, Harry Potter. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thanks for being on the show, Harry. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Harry. Your company's a pretty stinking big company, right? Yeah. It's a multinational company, uh, and it makes stuff. And they make they make stuff. Yes, yeah. you are you do work for a company that actually makes stuff. Yeah. So that that we're, we're, we're being vague on purpose, and I do apologize for those that would like to know more. But again, we want Harry to tell us all about his environment. And so uh, we're allowing him to anonymize things for that purpose. I, I, I will say that the company I worked for before that was one that made big kerosene burners. You, you did work for a company that made big kerosene burners. Yes. yes. Uh, big kerosene burners that I have spent quite a bit of time in yeah <laughs> there you go. and no longer um, are and no and no longer are oh, oh. yeah covid it comes up uh, everywhere yeah i do need to throw in our usual disclaimer persona and i do both work for druva this is not a druva podcast the opinions that you hear are our own and obviously harry potter is not representing Hogwarts or any other <laughs> commercial <laughs> institution. Uh, and he is uh, speaking uh, about his, uh, uh, his own opinions. Sorry, I know that we're going to get into what the environment looks like and all the rest, but how has it been like working in the same field for 18 years at the same company? I'm sure you've seen lots of changes. Oh, so it's, it's, it's been, it's been really interesting, you know, over the last almost 20 years working with NetBackup and having seen them go from Veritas to Symantec and back to Veritas again, and seeing them go from having 
vision to not having vision. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they and, you know, not everybody will get that joke. They used to have Veritas Vision. Actually, the original name of the con of the conference was Vericon. Did you know that? Oh, no, I, di- I didn't that know that. That seems awful. Yeah, so the original name was Vericon, which in French sounds bad. Con, I think, means idiot or something like that. So it sounds like big idiot or something. And so for that and other reasons, they chose to change the name to Vision. But then at some point, Veritas no longer had Vision. <laughs> Because yeah, they stopped, yeah. they stopped having the conference. They stopped doing it all uh, together. And that's yeah. that's not a COVID thing. That they stopped doing it a few years ago, right? Yeah. So I, I mean, I I started out um, at this company several years ago using um, oh gosh, it was I think it was NetBackup three dot something, and now we're up to eight dot something. So it's gone through mm-hmm. a lot of changes, and it's you know a lot of it's been pretty uh pretty good. I mean, I like I like some of the things that, that they've done with it. And we've got our own really nice reporting tool that we built in-house. So we don't use something like Okada or something like that. Um, and, and so it's gone through a lot of changes. Um, I've you know, had a number of managers that I've worked for over the years that have been good and a couple that have been not so good. Mm-hmm. And uh, but, but for the most part, uh, I've, enjoyed, I've enjoyed my time there. What about your requirements from your users and things like that? Like, how has that shifted? Sorry, Curtis, I know I just cut you off. That's all right. We're of the opinion that if you, you know, create a new system, you know, you build a new system, deploy a new system, uh, and, and you know, we don't read minds, and uh, you have to tell us about it. So if you don't tell us about it, we don't back it up. Uh and and there have been instances where people have come to us and said, "Hey, our system just crashed, and we need you to restore it." And uh, yeah. we we look it up and we say, um, uh, "Yeah, it's not in backups, uh, <laughs> you know." And uh, if you didn't tell us about that, then there's not a whole lot we can do. And then they they get really embarrassed and and say, uh, "Oh yeah, I guess we missed up on that." Um, but we have. Um, standard operating procedures where basically we say, you know, if you want it to be included in uh, regular backups, you need to give us your requirements. You need to say how frequently do you need it backed up, how important it is, um, because we don't have a one-size-fits-all type of setup. I mean, there was a a company that I worked with um, that did exactly that. They said, hey, all these systems, we don't care what they are, dev, test, prod, doesn't matter. They're all getting the same kind of backup. But we don't do that. So, Interesting. So we, we, we tell them that they have to give us their requirements in order for us to do the, you know, the backups properly. So I have provided consulting services to your company, as I recall, on more than one occasion. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh no. So both <laughs> both in the location where you currently work as well as the location where boy this sounds so cagey. The location where I originally met you. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right? So yeah. so um you originally and, came to our headquarters and helped us with some DLT tape backup tuning. <laughs> DLT. I had forgot. Yeah. I had well, forgotten all about DLT. And, yeah. And, and what I recall about your environment that at the time was very eye-opening to me. You had a particular manager 
<clears throat> who had a love affair for NetApp um, and wanted to do all things NAS. This this is more the Southern folks. Um, and he has that has that continued on? Are you still a big NetApp oh, shop or no? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Okay. Um, yeah. and, and in fact, um, a, a lot of stuff rather than doing NDMP, they're doing, uh, you know, snap vault. Of course. Right. Yeah. It lives on. <laughs> it lives on. Yeah. Snap vault? So persona, yeah. persona has a relationship, uh, uh, a different relationship with snap vault there. Yeah. Um, and, the, yeah, the thing that the thing that I found interesting at the time that was the, it was the first very large company that was using NAS and was saying, "Listen, why would I want to do it any other way? Why do I need SAN?" This was back, you know, when I first oh, yeah. met your company, SAN was the craze, right? And large right. Uh, EMC storage arrays, right, was the right. craze, and NetApp was uh, considered more like work group and that sort of stuff. And it was the first large company that I got to where uh, I saw them pushing the envelope for NAS. And that actually that, that interaction with your company uh, influenced my, my second book uh, quite a bit. The, the SANS and NAS book. SANS and NAS. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you guys have, so you, do you, so you use SnapVault where you can, it sounds like you use net backup quite a bit. Yes. Describe what that system looks like. The net backup side of things. Um, okay. So, so nowadays what we've been doing is we've, we've used, we're using a lot of dedupe storage and it's either in the form of what we're primary, we're moving away from, how do I want to put it? Single vendor, dedupe storage and going to net backup appliances, which is another single vendor dedupe storage. But um, but yeah, so we're, we're doing that. And then in addition to doing that, that allows us to replicate to a remote uh, location. So that's our offsite copy of our, of our backups. Are you tapeless at this point? Not quite. There are places... <laughs> And one of them will. Well, talk we're, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that point. Okay, let me rephrase. Yeah. Are you predominantly tapeless at this point? I'd say we're probably seventy percent tapeless. Okay. Okay. But there and, are and still so, some places. Yeah. We're moving away from data domain and and quantum DSI oh. and moving to uh, net backup uh, appliances, which have. So you got you got you know. One or more NetBackup master servers, a bunch of media servers, and then behind those, are, are these media servers then connected to NetBackup appliances, or are they? Is it like a media server appliance combination? It's a media server appliance combination. Okay. So, right. and and in some cases now, we're also going to media server appliances that have a cloud storage attached, so we can okay. we can replicate things to the cloud. Up to object storage, S3. Yes, yes. Gotcha. Per locate, when you look at a location, like think of like your largest data centers, do you tend to have one net backup master in there or do you end up needing multiple net backup masters for a location? Lately, we've been going towards an architecture where we have master servers that okay. 
will replicate to each other that are located in physically different buildings. What are they There's, replicating? The index? No, everything. You know, so it's it's using it's using um, NetBackup's Air, which is automatic okay. image replication. You know, so it's getting okay. both so you're literally and- copying backups between like entirely separate NetBackup domains. Yeah, and then um, but but I mean that's but within yeah, but within so- each building, do you need one or more uh, master servers? Um, one. And maybe maybe one media server to go with it. If you did a full backup, how big would that full backup be? That's a good question. I think it's in it's in the petabytes. I just don't recall what it is right off the top of my head. All right. Um, but if I if I pulled up our homegrown reporting tool, I could probably get some information out of it for you. Right. So you're managing a petabyte, essentially a petabyte of primary data. So I, I like this feature of copying the data between the data centers. I like that a lot. I, I'm assuming this uses deduplication, so you're replicating yes. new and yeah. unique blocks. It's, sorry, I know you said it's in the same location, but two separate physical buildings, and then you also have another copy going to a completely different location. Is that correct? Y- yeah, I mean that's that's another element of it, and and it's not it's not the same in each location. But it's we're trying to standardize on on a on a uh, um, a single design for the uh, for this. But but again, and, and is is that future single design the cloud method that you described? Well, you know that's where we're going to go t- tapeless. So there are places, for example, in the EU where we can. Um, go to a uh, cloud storage for the offsite part of it. And that's where we'll be going tapeless. And we're just starting to do that. But there are still some places where we can't do it because of, you know, whatever rules there are within the particular countries that we're talking about. Uh, regulations. Yeah. Like tape regulations, right? Data must be <laughs> yeah. stored on tape. Or something, yeah. Or it must be stored. You can't leave the country, or some sort right, of rule right. like that. You de- you definitely encounter that in certain European countries, right? Yeah, yeah. Switzerland, um, one, I think. No, I don't know. What's that? Uh, Switzerland. Yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah. Germany is too. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it could be. But Germany's um, part of the EU, so they're you know. I think if it doesn't leave the EU, then it's okay. But I don't know. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. But I don't live in Germany, so that's okay. Yeah. Are you? Um, Go ahead. Sorry, were you going to continue on the data center? I was going to ask about if he has any cloud. Yeah, ask whatever you want. So do you have any workloads that you are running in the cloud that you are responsible for protecting, or is it mainly the data center workloads that you're focused on? I'm prim- I'm primarily concerned with the data center on, on-premise stuff and not the cloud stuff. I mean, we do have we do have servers in the cloud, but... Um, but yeah, I'm not responsible for. I don't directly. It's not, interact it's not your job. Yeah. Yeah, it's not my job. Yeah. So there you go. But even when you start looking at cloud as being that object store, are you going to be responsible for that, or would you be working with another team to sort of get access to that for them to manage that, and then you to just dump data into a bucket? It's part of our team, but I think the uh, um, yeah, it's part of our team, but it's an, another couple of guys on our team that, that are responsible for it. You and I spent quite a bit of time talking about a particularly problematic situation <laughs> that happened yeah. in, in, a, 
a an island in the middle of the ocean um, that got hit by a hurricane. Yeah. And you yeah. had data centers there. Yeah, we did. How, and, and how was data? How was the the net backup setup configured there? So we had two data centers. Each had their own master media servers, mm-hmm. and also they each had their own tape libraries. But the primary offsite copy was, you know, the guy in the pickup truck taking it to Iron Mountain, <laughs> and. Uh, and the, the man in the van. Yeah, the man in the van. And the other part of it was that there was replication going on between the two data centers. So okay. we had dedupe devices that would um, replicate, you know, backups from one data center to the other. Uh, so as a result of that hurricane, one of these data centers got completely uh drowned and uh the roof uh, had uh, leaks in it and the data center was a mess and <clears throat> so we ended up with one of the two data centers and we had to recover the mo- majority of those systems from the backups that were in the other data center now so there you were, were the- replicating all the backups right and then you also had this tape copy that you hoped you didn't have to use. Right. You, and so you, the, bad, go ahead. the bad thing about the tape copy was because this island was hit so hard by that hurricane, Iron Mountain was also hit. And there was a several day or week delay in them being able to return tapes. Oh, yeah. That, that's got that's like that. That falls into the insult to injury or pouring yeah. salt on a wound, whatever you want to. Exactly. Um, it's bad enough what happened to you, but then to not be able to get your stuff. Of course, so you, you said you, you were going to recover in this other data center. So then the other problem that you might have is not being able to get the actual servers and whatnot to to restore too, right? The, the physical servers, yeah, and I, yeah. I, you know, or whatever I'm, it is, whatever it is you were restoring or to storage or whatever, yeah, storage, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think the main part of that was, I think they were able to recover a good number of the physical servers, but they it basically had to move them all out of the damaged data center and into another one. And they, they oh. basically, yeah, they basically abandoned the building that they were in. And but they were able into, to rescue the, the servers and the storage? They were able to rescue most of them. I, I don't think they were able to rescue all of them. Um, but Did but they do it beforehand? They didn't do it before the hurricane hit. No, no, no. They didn't do it before the hurricane. Um, they did it afterwards when they were in the recovery Slash just trying to figure up. out like how did, how did the data center get flooded but the servers didn't get destroyed i guess that's and it might depend like maybe the servers at the top of the rack might be okay right i've seen yeah. that happen or yeah. might not the ones at the bottom of the rack might be okay because yeah. it's coming from the top down or something it all depends but uh, i don't that's the part i'm not 100 percent aware of because they took another guy from our team and had him fly you know take a commercial flight to corporate headquarters where he got on 
the corporate jet with a bunch of other recovery people to go to this place to do the recovery. Right. And I, I remember at the time you, you almost were going to go to that. I, I almost would have gone, but, but, uh, but for the grace of God, somebody else got to go. <laughs> and the poor guy, because this is, a um, a, um, an island which is closer to the equator than we are. He was he was really upset that he didn't bring short pants. He had long pants, and so he oh was... man, <laughs> I think I, I think those short those long pants would turn into short pants real quick if that. Was <laughs> so what what else do you know about how that went? You know what was that like? Well, there was a lot of of um, having to you know, reintroduce these systems into the uh, network and into the, into DNS and into the, the backup environment. And th- they, they were going through a constant um, uh, array of, Hey, how do we get this part done? And, you know, fortunately they had brought with them some really good networking people and uh, they were able to do a lot of the stuff, but there were some things that, and I, again, it's been a while, and so I don't recall all of the uh, the details of what they had to do. But you know, it was it was pretty intense for a couple of, couple of weeks. This is similar to a past podcast that we did where it was around disaster recovery, and it's like sometimes you forget that there are other people in the infrastructure who you need in order to bring up your production, not just the data. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, so that was that's a uh, that that was the case here. It's interesting, though, that they ended up replicating to a given that it's an island, you would think that they might be replicating data outside of the island to off the island. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I think the problem is just the cost of doing something where they could get it off of the island. That was that was where the problem was. Hmm. So I, I think yes, they have they have satellite uplinks, but they're they're not as fast, and they're they're pretty expensive for for what they want to do. And they you know they they make the decision to not spend the money on that. So once the first data center failed, and I believe you said that they were replicating between the two data centers, right? Their backups. Yes. Yeah. So what did they do then in that? in the only running data center, like as they were taking backups, was it still just in one location? Because Iron Mat- Mountain had a delay. The other data center was gone. What was, what were they doing? Was it just hope nothing gets affected in the first data ce- or in the second data center? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but, but yeah, they had to um, uh, keep running their, their normal backups in that data center and also do all these restores to the new uh, location where they had moved, you know, the servers that they had taken out of the damaged data center. And do you know how long it took them to recover? That sounds uh, like it must have been I, a couple of weeks, at least. It right? was at least a couple of weeks, you know, and I, and I think uh, my friend <clears throat> was down there for about three weeks. Wow. I could I could imagine the pressure and the stress because no one had probably ever tested out that scenario, right? What does Correct. it take to restore in case my data center it goes back to what Curtis always says, right? It's like test do your backups and restores work. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and it sounds Which like is- the much of the problem or many of the problems that you had 
weren't the backups. They were all of these other things that you needed to do once you right. restored the system to an alternate server. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But how, how did the actual backup systems perform, though? They performed well. You know, and, and we didn't, I don't believe that we went back to tape on anything, um, even though that could have happened. Uh, but what we also found at the same time was there were little pieces of information here and there that were on some of these servers that weren't getting backed up the way that the business owners thought. would have liked. Mm. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Not what they had thought. You know, it's like they thought, oh, everything's getting backed up, but it wasn't. And they didn't find so you out until we you weren't started. using all local drives or, or something. No, it wasn't. It, it wasn't that. Well, partly that, but also, you know, the, there'd be a database server where, um, they weren't doing a sweep of the drive that had the database oh. backed up to that kind of thing. Right. Oh, ouch. <laughs> yeah. So right. there were, there were little things like that. There's no way to find those things other than to do a full test recovery. Right. Which, which, you know, if, if you look back at the, you know, even, even when I, when I worked at this, you know, large credit card company that we did this twice a year, but we never did a full scale recovery. We just did a, a a subset recovery of a complete system, right? So we 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 picked a mission critical app, and then we had to restore all infrastructure necessary for that app to exist, which would include things like the DNS server and the NIS server. Remember NIS? Uh, well, I don't yeah. think is it still around? No one still uses I, that anymore, do they? I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it, it, and all of the infrastructure around it, we had to do that. And, and as, you know, I, I've often said, we never had a fully successful restore uh, in that one that went as designed and documented without having to do <laughs> without something Without having special. Curtis explain it. Yeah, exactly. So the good news is, you know, you're not alone there. Yeah, I mean, I remember in, a, in the early days at this company, we used to pack a bunch of uh, DLT tapes uh, off to a data center in Arizona and try to recover an entire application there. Right. But you'd never did a full data center because that would just be insane. Like it'd be, it would yeah, take three no, weeks, it, right? Right. right. <laughs> and, and in this situation, when we did these smaller tests, it was, it was like one application, which consisted of maybe three or four servers, like a web server, application server, database server type thing. And then right. we wanted to see if we could bring it up and make it work. And um, most of the time we were able to make it work from restoring from those tape backups, but it wasn't, it wasn't any fun, <laughs> as you might imagine. Right. And, and now, of course, with being able to replicate to a remote site, they can just say, okay, I think we're going to flip the switch and make this other site live. And uh, and they do it that way, and it's a lot quicker and a lot less stress. And doing it, is this still the net backup method of replica replication, or are you talking about something else? Um, both uh, net backup replication and also um, asynchronous replication of the primary storage to another site. Okay. I mean, right. so that, you know, because there's some applications that are just um, have such a short RPO 
uh, a daily backup isn't going to cut it. It's got to be something right. that's asynchronous replication to another site. So they do either, you know, some kind of a, uh, a database replication to another storage. Right. And then they, and then they can just kind of say, okay, we're going to make that the primary and we'll go with that. Yeah. Without, without going into details of your company, I, I you know, I've spent enough time there to know that there are certain applications where unique data, unique once in a lifetime data is being created. <laughs> yes, yeah. You exactly. wouldn't be, you know, you you might be able to redo it, but you can't technically recreate it, right? So, right. Uh, so you, those those applications would be the kind of application I would think about. Um, yeah. So you so you have the primary replication as well. Uh, you have the net backup replication because. So oh, let's go back to this this DR that you had and and other DRs that you maybe are planning for. Um, the, ba- the is this still is this VMware that we're talking about that you're backing up and restoring? Well, both VMware and physical. Uh, okay, so you were restoring physical servers, and with yeah. those with those physical servers, because VMware essentially BMR is you know it's included, right? It just you know yeah. it's, it's an assumed, but Physical servers, not so much. How are you doing, or how how does the system design to deal with those? Well, I, I mean, you know, for for Windows systems, for example, you're backing up every, you know, like all local drives, which includes the right. um, shadow copy components and system state. Yep. And when you're doing the restore of those using that backup, depending upon the version of the base operating system of Windows, you may have issues. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, and you, you probably are familiar with those. Yeah. Issues. So you're. So what you the the difficulty would be is is if the backup that you have, uh, there are multiple scenarios, right? You you could have a backup of, you know, let's say, I'll just say Windows Seven, uh, and you're restoring to a Windows Ten server, and that's all you have, right? Yeah. You, yeah. Yes. That's that's what BMR, you know, bare metal recovery is designed to do. Sure. I, I know NetBackup has that functionality. Yeah, but we're not using that. You're not so. using it. Do you know why? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's got its own infrastructure that it requires to to do it. And at least with NetBackup, it's it's it requires again a whole set of other servers to use. Like you got to have uh I think you have to have a each version of Windows system, you have to have a server running each version of Windows that you're running that you want to protect. Gotcha. Uh, as so part you, of you, the, you looked at yeah. the infrastructure that was required to do this and you were like, yeah, we're not. The part of it that's not free is the infrastructure you have to have around it. And as I recall, you have to have some of that infrastructure on each subnet. You know what this reminds me of is, uh, you know, my friend Reed. Yeah. Shout out to Reed. <laughs> uh, hey, Reed, we know you're listening. So Reed, Reed loves to tell the story of the free cat that his wife brought home. <laughs> and every time that that free cat, as he would make quotes in the air, cost him money, he kept, you know, mentioning this free cat that he had. Yeah. So, so yeah. So free isn't free. So you have all that infrastructure. So you got this up and running. Are you doing something to protect your other data centers now that you've gone through this experience? Um, In other locations, of course. 
Yeah, well, in other locations, we don't have that particular problem of of, of hurricanes to get, yeah. being yeah, surrounded well, entirely by water, <laughs> and, and and not having data replicated off of that island. You know, right. so other other data centers that we have, we don't have that particular problem. Although, it, 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 interestingly enough, we, we had one site that. Um, was not an island, but was in South America, and we were having terrible times backing that up to somewhere in Europe. And um, it, you know, even when you did the uh, you know backup accelerator or change block tracking or whatever, it's still you had to do that initial full backup in order for things to to go from there. And we finally just gave up with them, and we sent an appliance down there. <laughs> <laughs> and so the replication of that goes back to Europe and you know they're okay with that part of it it's yeah. it's it's replication and we we may be able to do something like that with that island but i nobody's nobody's really talked about it yeah so right. so on the island did you end up rebuilding the data center is it operational did you oh, how did you move the workloads back i guess is the so so what I had mentioned earlier was the one that, that basically flooded or failed or whatever you want to call it, um, th that was one of the first and oldest buildings on that campus. So they basically said, you know what, this thing got damaged so badly, we're not going to trust it to house another data center. We're, we've got another data center in this newer building over here, so we're going to put all that stuff that was there over to this newer building. So that's what they did. And was that just a matter of unplugging the servers and moving them or? It it took a while, but yeah, it was essentially that, but they had to accelerate that timeline because of the fact that they needed those things to be operational in a short period of time. And then what and about course, the, oh, go ahead. Of course, during all this, of course, there was no power. So they had to have, you know, constant generator power yep. to their, to all of their operations down there. So. Yeah, I was, I was just going to ask, but the backups while it was running in the second data center, the only operating data center, I'm assuming that those were to those local net backup appliances that were already there, right? You didn't bring over the yeah. new, the old net backup appliances. So now right. when you move the production workloads to that new data center, what happened to the backups? Did they migrate? What did you end up doing? Oh, yeah, they migrated because we ended up moving the backup servers into that new data center as well. So... You know, basically the damaged data center was abandoned and it was everything was moved okay. into this new new data center. But again, that it's not, timeline It's actually was now a swimming pool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the original one. Yeah. Uh, you've been using NetBackup now for 20 years, during which you've run into me once or twice, uh, helping you to make it better. If you could push a button and NetBackup added a feature or fixed an issue, like what what would that be? Clientless backup. <laughs> Clientless. Oh, so so agentless backup. Agentless backup. Yeah, that might be kind of cool. Is I that mean, because managing your agents on all these servers becomes a little time consuming? Well, it can become problematic because we don't have access to the clients. Mm. So, you know, if, if they want to be updated, we have to, you know, ask them pretty pleased to do that. Yeah. And there has to be good justification. And of course there being, you know, literally thousands of these things, there's going to be all kinds of pushback, you know, oh, this is going to be a major project. You got to have to decide. So I, you know, it would be nice if everything was 
a virtual system that we didn't have to install a client on. Mm -hmm. But, and that's the nice thing. Every time I get a chance to back something up as a VM, I'm, I'm all over it. (laughs) Right. But but there are instances where it's not practical to do that because whatever application is running on that doesn't like the momentary lapse of connection. Yeah. Exactly. When it's doing the snapshot, it doesn't, it, it can't withstand that. Huh. So, so they tell us, Hey, these servers don't back them up as VMs. We know they're VMs, but don't back them up that way. Huh? Yeah. So what, so is, is this, the, this, this client issue, is it mainly at install or you also experience it every time you need to upgrade the client? Um, well, for the most part, and then that, that's the nice thing about net backup is you can go two versions back and still be able to back up. So we have, we still have like clients that are running seven dot something, even though our master servers are at eight dot something. So they're not going to be a problem until and unless we go to nine. And even then they're not going to be necessarily a problem. But at that but it, point, go ahead. Yeah, at that point, we may have to have words with the the system owners and say, hey, guys, you know, it would really be better if you could upgrade them. What I would want to solve that problem, at least the update problem, is it would seem that NetBackup should be able to update its own client. Like via the same protocols that it already has. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. Um, I know other backup products do that. Well, as yeah, and as long as the resulting update in that client doesn't require a reboot of the said Windows, yeah, well, the old not on. requiring a reboot is a is a BFD. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, that's primarily where we get into issues with them. You know, the 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 system owners not wanting to do upgrades, especially if they're doing you know even when they're doing quarterly patching, it's like oh you could do it then, but because they're doing reboots all over the place when they're doing quarterly patching. So, but all right, I'm going to, I'm going to give you, Harry, I'm going to give you a unique opportunity. Are you ready for this? Okay, sure. You've known me for a number of years or so. (laughs) Yeah. Tell your favorite Curtis is an idiot story. (laughs) (laughs) You want me to tell the story of of the uh, election? You're voting. I knew you were going to. I want to hear this. I want to hear this. Okay. So. So I was, uh, I was visiting, I was visiting Curtis at his home and um, he, which is in Oceanside. And, and, and I, uh, he asked me to stay over because the next day he wanted to vote and he needed somebody to take him to the airport because he was going on a flight. I don't know where. Well, the way Uh, you say it, you were, you lived, the airport was on your way. Yes. yes, Okay. All right. It's not like, right. Okay. I didn't ask I you lived... to stay over so you could drive me to the airport. <laughs> no, no. But All anyway, right. so for some God knows why reason, <laughs> Curtis was not doing vote by mail. And he decided he had to go in person. And so we leave his house before the polls open. He gets to the place and he's like, I forgot something. I, I, I don't know what it was, your jacket or something. So we had to go back to your house and get that. And then we go back and you're, you got to stand in line and you're standing in line. And uh, I don't know if we had to repeat that process of going back to your house more than once, but it was at least once. And, and then it was, 
after you voted, we're like, hop in the car and go. And you're because driving like we were a- going to the L.A. airport, which yeah, is going to the- 90 to minutes to two hours away. Yeah. And and it was going to be tight. And yeah. um, so you're the one who's driving, fortunately. Yeah. Uh, and and um, we get to the airport and you give me the keys and say, just go park it in the garage <laughs> and I'll get the, I'll get the keys. And uh, um, you ran in to get to the gate to, for your flight. And I think you missed your flight. I think that might be possible. <laughs> yeah. So. And, and the whole way from Oceanside to L.A., all I heard was you should, why don't you vote by mail as you, as yeah. any normal person in California, because it, you know, it's anybody can register to vote by mail, by the way, if you're not registered to vote, please register to vote. Please. And, please. and you know, if you don't vote, you can't complain. So. And if you please, do vote, if you do right. get an absentee ballot, get an absentee mail it right ballot. away. And, you know, and, and if you don't do life, that, your vote's important. It's not worth your life. If you have, if you have the possibility of voting by mail, even if, you know, cause at most of the States you can vote by mail for no reason. And then there's another handful of States where you need some reason and COVID is being accepted as a reason. Like if you haven't yet registered to vote by mail, now would be the time to do so. Uh, and then the moment you receive your, your ballot, uh, take it to your registrar or some local box. I don't want you dropping it in the mail. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Harry and I happened to listen to a podcast that has been talking about this for quite some time. And her thing is, you know, don't, you know, vote as quickly as you can and vote and, and don't put it in the mail, but take it, you know, if there's a drop box that is a specific voting drop box, that's fine. But otherwise take it directly to wherever you have to take it in your, local registration right. area anyway and that way you don't have to have your friend drive like a banshee to the airport and like a, like a like bat out of hell <laughs> yeah. yeah i knew i i wondered which story you would pick because you've known me for a long enough time so i'm sure there were a few i hope our our readers appreciated that story or your listeners what did i say readers you said readers so, i'm such an a book mode <laughs> <laughs> I still a book book. And the thing is, you know, I'm I'm right. Most of the book is written voice to text, right? I'm writing in Dragon, so even when I'm writing, I'm talking. Which people that know me are like, well, of course he's writing, like <laughs> in a way that allows him to talk. Anyway, all right. Well, Harry, thank you very much for You're illuminating welcome. us from what it's like in a real world to you know fire backups and anger. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Persona, for joining us once again. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you, Harry. And thank you. Yes, yes. Go back under thanks the stairs. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and, yeah, um, I'll do that. Thanks to the listeners, and make sure to subscribe so that you can restore it all. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth a spit. Finally, I needed your backup. You had a chance to fix it, instead it's all jacked up. See how I'll write on Facebook about you. Don't underestimate the things that I will do. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too 
It'll be completely done. Maybe 